outside of golden shares. That's sort of a hard zero for me. Um, I do think that there could be some value in corporate debt, much more so than equity at this point. But to be honest, I've been an investor in dollar bonds, and I think now is the time to take profit on dollar bonds that have climbed back from the brink. So I have been a buyer, but I'd be much more skeptical going forward. Brock, always good to talk to you. Thank you very much. That's Brock Silvers, Chief Investment Officer at Kyan Capital. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Final look at the markets for this morning. Uh, in, um, in, down in Australia, the SX200 is off 0.1%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is rising this morning, up about 0.2%. Uh, the Cosby down a quarter of a percent, and futures markets pointing to a gain of, uh, sorry, a, a flat open for the Hang Seng later on this morning. Thank you very much for listening. Do join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for more Money Talk. Stay tuned for Back Chats with Jim Gould and Mike Rouse. After the news, the weather forecast for today, fine and dry, cold in the morning. Maximum temperature will be around 17 degrees during the day and it's going to become cloudy with one or two rain patches, rising temperatures in the next couple of days. It's 13 degrees right now. There is a cold weather warning, a frost warning and a red fire danger warning all in force. The time's 8.31. Here's Tom Warden with the half-hour news. Government COVID advisor Ivan Hung says he expects Hong Kong to gradually drop its remaining anti-epidemic measures, such as the mask mandate and compulsory rapid tests for school kids, in a matter of weeks. From today, people confirmed with COVID-19 no longer have to report their cases to the authorities or isolate themselves, as the SAR starts treating COVID like other respiratory illnesses. Professor Hung says the policy shift is highly unlikely to lead to a mass outbreak. Basically, we are now treating COVID as just one of the respiratory tract infections, just like influenza or, you know, other para-influenza infections. And we are now transiting from the pandemic now to an endemic phase. The mask mandate will also be scrapped, possibly in a few weeks' time, and we're basically moving back to a normal state. Of course, we understand that with this relaxation, there are increased risks of infection among the elderly, those with chronic illnesses or the very young children. But most people will have been fully vaccinated. And within the community, there's very robust what we call hybrid immunity, meaning that those who already been vaccinated and also had a past infection. So overall, the transmission among the community will be very low. More than 50 people have been killed in two separate transport accidents in Pakistan. At least 41 bus passengers died when their vehicle crashed in Baluchistan province. In the northwest of the country, at least 10 children died in a boat accident. They were among about 25 people on a tourist boat that capsized in the Tanda Dam Lake. Several children are in a critical condition in hospital. 13-year-old Mohammed Mustafa was one of the lucky ones who survived. We were going on a picnic. When our boat got out to the middle of the lake, it overturned. I got stuck under the boat. I pulled myself out and started swimming. I was swimming slowly, but the coat I was wearing got heavy and I started sinking. I got halfway to land but fainted because of the cold water. Then a man from a nearby hotel came floating on an inflatable tube and saved me. The key southern Ukrainian city of Kherson has come under intense fire from Russian troops stationed on the opposite bank of the Dnipro. Local officials say multiple launch rocket systems, artillery, mortars and tank shells were used. 
President Volodymyr Zelensky said the attack had been relentless. The Russian army has been shelling Kherson atrociously all day. Residential buildings, various social and transport facilities, including a hospital, post office and bus station, have been damaged. Two women, nurses, were wounded in the hospital. As of now, there are reports of six wounded and three dead. My condolences to all those who've lost loved ones to Russian terror. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your guest presenter is Mike Krause. Good morning, Mike. Good morning, Jim. On today's programme, we're looking at how tourism and related industries are faring in both uh, Hong Kong and Macau. More visitors arrived in Hong Kong after the territory uh, reopened its borders with the mainland on January the 8th. And the numbers are expected to get a further boost from today with the end of mandatory isolation for anyone with uh, COVID-19. But arrivals are still well below pre-pandemic levels and there have been uh, more residents uh, heading out of Hong Kong than visitors coming in. Industry leaders have said that many cross-border travellers were put off by having to show a negative PCR test result, although that requirement could also end soon. Meanwhile, tourism has been picking up again in Macau, especially during the Lunar New Year holidays. With most COVID restrictions now lifted there, the number of visitors from Hong Kong and the mainland has increased significantly. After 9.15, we're talking about illegal fireworks. Let us know what you think on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us at backchat at rthk.hk or give us a call on 233 and we have uh, with us now on the line uh, Professor Haiyan Song, Associate Dean at the School of Hotel and Tourism Management at the Polytechnic University, and Alan Zeman, Chairman of the Lang Kwai Fong Group. Uh, uh, good morning to you both. Um, perhaps, uh, Professor Song, if we could uh, come to you first. Um, uh, we heard you uh, earlier talking about uh, confidence um, uh, tourists uh, need uh, confidence to uh, return. No more isolation from today. It looks like the test requirement's going to be dropped soon. What sort of uh, shape are we in to welcome more people back to Hong Kong? Uh, yes, I think uh, this will certainly uh, have another, give another boost uh, of Hong Kong tourism industry uh, by lifting all the restrictions. Uh, uh, so, yeah, this is a positive uh, uh, perspective for the Hong Kong tourism industry in the future uh, from the, today's lifting of the mandatory uh, quarantine requirement. Mm. Uh, how much difference do you think it will make when, as looks uh, very likely, the uh, PCR test requirement uh, is also uh, done away with? Yeah, I think, uh, of course, all these uh, measures will help. And uh, But I remember... Uh, uh, chi the Chinese tourists will not return uh, in a great number immediately after this uh, uh, restriction being lifted. Uh, uh, so I uh, spoke earlier about the, uh, the Chinese tourists need to build up their confidence in international travel because still uh, in China there's still a COVID uh, situation spread in the rural areas. And also... Um, uh, you know, there's uh, restrictions of uh, other countries still have restrictions 
uh, on the Chinese visitors uh, in terms of uh, PCR tests. So but, uh, although Hong Kong has lifted all these restrictions and then we are competing with many other destinations as well, like uh, Thailand, uh, Indonesia, uh, Singapore, and so on and so forth. So um, uh, the number will return, certainly will return, but it will take some time. My uh, perception is that uh, after the May holiday, uh, it may, uh, Golden Week, yeah. there will be a large number of tourists traveling to Hong Kong. Uh, Professor, that, uh, good morning. That's a very significant point, isn't it? You're looking, as you mentioned, building up confidence because when people are planning a holiday, they're planning, there's a lead time for the planning. That's right. Yes. And um, the, the confidence only starts to arise when those restrictions have completely gone. It doesn't, yes. it doesn't say, well, there might be, you know, maybe next month or the month after that might go, that might go. You want to see it, that it's actually gone. That's right. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is still, of course, a, a quota on the number of visitors uh, who can come in. I mean, how soon would you expect uh, that quota to be lifted? And also, and, and also not all of the uh, crossing points are open yet, are they? Yes, uh, I think, uh, I don't know, I cannot speculate when this uh, uh, will be uh, uh, lifted. Uh, you know, I don't know, but very soon, I guess. Okay, well, uh, Alan Zeman, good morning to you. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy uh, Chinese New Year. And same to you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, so uh, how was um, Lang Kwai Fong over the weekend? Well, over the weekend, uh, it was uh, a, a neutral, basically. You know, as uh, the professor, professor said, uh, many, many Hong Kongers have left Hong Kong for holiday. And uh, the amount of tourists coming into Hong Kong uh, has been very limited. I actually spent... Uh, Chinese New Year in Macau, <laughs> funnily enough, because I am the chairman of uh, Win in Macau, yeah, uh, the hotel. And uh, so I was there, and it was just like old times. It was like the old days of Hong Kong, you know, and I, I, the numbers uh, from January 21st uh, up until Friday uh, hit 451,000, or Hong Kong in the same period, I think, hit 164,000. Mm. You know, so um, it's uh, it's significant because in the past, of course, Hong Kong always outdrew the amount of visitors into Macau. Uh, but I think uh, I agree with the professor, with Mike, uh, that uh, we have to lift the PCR test. We've got to lift the quotas. And, and I do believe the good news is that uh, the uh, chief secretary, Eric Chan, uh, has said uh, yesterday that uh, it's been in negotiation in respect in the next few days. PCR tests will be lifted. And and hopefully the quotas as well. Um, as as uh, the professor said, and Mike said that uh, you know tourists need time to plan their holiday. It's uh, you know it's not an overnight thing, and and uh, they want to go where there's no restrictions. Basically, in Thailand, I have hotels in Phuket, and uh, they, we also experienced uh, a lot of full houses there, which we haven't had in three years because there's they've lifted, lifted all restrictions and uh, going to, you know, other places, Southeast Asia, everywhere. Uh, the world has moved on. Uh, we were kind of stuck. Uh, but it's uh, it's now time to join the rest of the world and move on. And move on. Uh, you know, and, and I think, I think uh, uh, also inviting um, different uh, national, there's, there's the, a French TF1, which is the national French uh, 
television station is in Hong Kong at the moment uh, for five days and doing an interview with them tonight. They've asked me to do an interview just to gauge uh, uh, the where, where Hong Kong is today, you know, mm -hmm. because speaking to my overseas uh, friends and, and business associates, you know, they, they over there, the, the, the uh, mood that they have and, and, and uh, the stories that they hear about Hong Kong are totally different to what is happening here. I'm happy that the National French Channel at least has sent their uh, uh, reporters out here to really gauge Hong Kong and, and hopefully can uh, paint the, the proper picture of what Hong Kong is all about. And, and really, uh, it's not what everybody <laughs> overseas thinks. Right. Alan, um, this is good news that we're we, we beginning to tell the good Hong Kong story. Um, yes. When can we see an end to the mask mandate? Well, uh, the government has said uh, probably in March, uh, end of March. Uh, um, you know, they're worried about the flu and and COVID uh, coinciding together, and 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 uh, I imagine that uh, it will be uh, hopefully before March. Uh, uh, yeah. I know you've been an advocate to <laughs> drop that mask. I've seen. <laughs> I've, I've stopped writing about it, Alan. I've stopped writing about it. Because <laughs> yeah. I've, but, you know, uh, it's, it's beginning to sound like a one-trick pony. Yeah. I, I agree. I think that uh, Hong Kong people are responsible enough. We've learned enough about this, uh, how to live with the COVID. Yep. And I think that uh, it should be the uh, up to people's uh, opinions. If they yes. want to wear a mask, let them wear a mask. I mean, your French it's film crew are going around the town wearing masks and filming people wearing masks. No, I, and that's well, going to be playing on the channel back in back in France. I, I agree with you. I agree <laughs> with you. Well, I'll do my best to give them the, the, the real Hong Kong story. but uh, And I will tell them the best. Right. Let's, let's build on what the pr professor said about looking ahead to the May holiday, because I think yes. that is promising. Um, are we going to be ready then if there's a sudden upsurge in tourist numbers? Uh, I think I think uh, well we you know as you well know and, and the uh, there is a lot of shortage of staff of tourist staff people right. left the industry and not coming back we have this uh, same same in, in the in the uh, food and beverage industry uh, a lot of people have left and are not coming back and so and have got, joined other industries we have to find a way to really wrap up the uh, the tourism industry and really uh, get people back to work in that industry because it, it is a very important part of Hong Kong and, and, and our move going forward. And I think it's telling the good story is one thing, but uh, having the, the proper credentials to uh, yes. up to the story that you're, you're selling. Having is, a good story is, to tell is, is, is the first step. Um, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's the experience, you know, and that's really, it, it's really... Um, you know, at least at least we see light at the end of the tunnel. You know, the, no. the, the PCR test will be scrapped, and, and you know, and uh, I've got to go to China on Wednesday, Thursday, and, and uh, I've got to take a PCR test after after this today, forty eight hours before, and it's painful because it just wastes time and takes takes time uh, to go and get and have it done. When so hopefully, when can we expect the theme parks to be open seven days a week again? Because um, I noticed that they they both shut for two days a week yeah 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 well hopefully hopefully as i say 
with, with the lifting of all of all restrictions, uh, uh, I imagine everything will start to get back to normal. Um, you know, the restrictions will be off, and people will be able to make decisions on their own now, and not be depending on government to make the decisions. I think I think uh, the health authorities also have kind of learned that uh, it, it's time to join the rest of the world and and and, and drop the restrictions. People in general now are learning that it's not such a terrible disease, and it is for some, I understand, but uh, in general, um, the rest of the world is living with it, and uh, they've moved on, and I think uh, it might be endemic and something we'll have to live with. Uh, Professor Song, you said uh, earlier, obviously it's going to take some time um, before the situation is something like back to normal, um, to pre-pandemic days, uh, when we were having more than 100,000 visitors from the mainland uh, coming every day. And, of course, mainland visitors make up the bulk of, uh, of tourists to the SAR. So, I mean, from your experience, uh, um, how, long, how long a time frame do you think we're looking at? Several months or to the end of the year or what? Yeah, actually, uh, on this point, uh, we have been doing some uh, uh, collaboration research uh, with uh, Pacific Asia Travel Association, uh, which is a regional international organization. Uh, we forecast uh, the tourist arrivals uh, from mainland China will probably recover to 70, uh, 60 to 70% by the end of the year. And then by 2024, it will be uh, returned to pre-COVID-19 level. Uh, so that's uh, the prediction. Uh, but uh, also uh, uh, international tourists, not only from China, but also from other countries, uh, also are very um, curious about the COVID situation uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, I'm organizing an international conference on uh, wine and hospitality, and the participant who are still asking uh, whether I have to do PCR tests, whether I have to be isolated when I'm in Hong Kong, uh, whether I have to wear masks all the time in Hong Kong. So these are the things that put off uh, their decision coming to Hong Kong, asking if uh, those restrictions lifted sooner and then we'll attract more uh, participants to attend our conferences. I guess many other conferences and meetings were facing the same situation. Yes. Uh, Professor, I, I noticed when uh, I checked in to come back to Hong Kong, uh, at the check-in gate at the airport, I was, that was the first thing I was told. Um, have you got your mask? Yeah. Um, and also on the, on the plane, as the plane came in to land in Hong Kong, there was a, an announcement about monkeypox. Is that is that still an issue? Uh, uh, probably that is not a major issue. But uh, yeah, you know, I've been travelling uh, in Europe, uh, in Middle East uh, over the last year or so. Uh, in these uh, places, people are no longer wear masks. They, uh, you know, they are not worried about COVID uh, at all. So they forgot there's COVID. They have to wear masks. Uh, when two years ago, if they say, oh, I, I, if I have to wear masks again in Hong Kong, then, you know, that's just, uh, they're not confident, right? <laughs> we are not uh, actually building, uh, give them confidence in terms of visiting. Not I was struck by the contrast with Macau. Macau was always, for Hong Kong people, a great outlet. It's close, it's not expensive to get there, it doesn't take a long time, and it's different. It's got a different atmosphere, so you feel you're getting a real holiday. So it sounds as though Macau's really jumped out of the gate pretty well. 
Yeah, I think Macau has never been close to China. Maybe one, uh, you know, a short period of time during the last three years. So it is uh, have a natural uh, connection built up uh, over the over the years already. But uh, Hong Kong is different, right? So basically, the border is completely closed for for three years. So you need uh, once it's open, then you need some time uh, for people to get used to. Uh, uh, you know the the tourist uh, traveling to to Hong Kong as uh, pre uh, as uh, the good old days. Well, we talked a lot about uh, the mask uh, mandate uh, on this program of, of in uh, recent months, and uh, a lot of our listeners uh, uh, like to comment. And we've got some more comments uh, this morning as well on our Facebook page. Uh, Marcus writes, uh, "It's all about the unnecessary mask law. Why would anyone want to visit a city where you can get fined five thousand dollars for not wearing a mask?" Um, Leslie Ann in an email says that if the government wants to boost tourism in an effort to boost the economy, it needs to lift this uh, ridiculous mask mandate. What tourist is going to want to come to Hong Kong and be required to wear masks both inside and outside when no other country in the world has a mask mandate? And um, Leon writes, um, sounds like Mike Rouse has COVID again. Get well soon. <laughs> Uh, thank you. I I did test on Saturday and it's negative, uh, but I must admit I don't taste I don't test very often because I'm not really bothered by the result. I was talking to Jim before we came on air this morning. Have I got a cold? Have I got flu? Have I got COVID? Uh, frankly, I don't care. It's one or the other. It yeah. will get better. But you feel all right. Apart I feel from, fine. Apart from I, I feel being a bit croaky. Yeah. Listening to those uh, email messages that you were getting, I feel vindicated. So, yeah, I feel great. Right. Okay. There's a, a, another email from a listener, John. In fact, this is a question for uh, Alan Zeman. Says, uh, uh, I have a question for Alan Zeman regarding Macau. He mentioned he's chairman of Wynn and was in Macau this weekend. Uh, while the number of arrivals to Macau will no doubt surge, will Macau casino operators be able to reattain the same levels of gaming revenues that they previously enjoyed, given the continued clampdown on junkets, who were the key providers of funding for high rollers? If not, how will Macau reinvent itself? I guess it, it's kind of another subject, uh, Alan Zeman, but uh, are you OK to respond to that? It is, it is another subject. Uh, you know, the, the government has changed the regulations in the tender that just was uh, issued uh, to all the casinos uh, a few weeks ago, um, where junkets are no longer uh, uh, legal, uh, except every casino can have one junket operator. Uh, that, that's it. So uh, a big part of the business in the past has been on, on junkets. Uh, but uh, going forward, government is looking at... Uh, Potentially, Las Vegas is about 40% uh, gaming and 60% non-gaming, mm. and uh, that's why we've got all the shows and, and you know and they attract a lot of uh, tourists in in the United States and, uh, and from other parts of the world. Uh, Macau mm. is trying to get to that number as well, and there's, so there's a series of in the tenders. There's a series of the different hotels having to provide uh, non-gaming. Uh, um, new, new uh, facilities for non-gaming, and and, uh, and that will happen uh, every year, the tenders for 10 years, and, and it will happen year in, year out. So there will be new facilities coming to Macau, and again, with the Greater Bay Area coming, Hong Kong, Macau, uh, Shenzhen, Guangzhou, the, the other uh, nine cities, uh, will everything will, will uh, be one big uh, area, I believe, mm -hmm. and, and so I think, I think 
in general going forward, you know, Hong Kong really has to step up for the place mm-hmm. in, in 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 what we offer. You know, uh, even went out last week in Macau. It was uh, just joy to watch people lining up you know, at all the luxury shops like they used to do in Hong Kong and Canton Road. I mean, yes. it was, uh, you know, all the, all the brand, all the big brands had amped from morning till night. But there were so many lines of people standing that I went into one of the shopping malls uh, mm. over at Sands. And, and, and um, it was, again, wall-to-wall people. And so it's... Uh, it's a pleasure after three years of torture. I'm sure the, sure the people in Canton Road are looking forward to something similar here. Uh, yeah, exactly. Alan, uh, were you surprised by this great surge of Hong Kong people going out when the, most of the restrictions were lifted for, for returnees? Um, no. Uh, I, think, I think, Mike, in general, uh, people just had to get out of Hong Kong. Yes. I mean, you know, we, we, were, we were locked down for so long, and, you know, we had insane... Uh, things with 21-day quarantine. I mean, people went mental. And, and so uh, I, I really didn't agree with the government at that point, you know, and, and uh, it just got out of control, I believe. And, and, and so I think people just for their sanity had to leave Hong Kong and, and, and see how the rest of the world uh, lived. And that's why the mask uh, the question that keeps coming up is correct, because when you go outside, when you go to, I was in for uh, New Year's I, I spent in, in, in Phuket and, and, you know, not even a mask. No one even, we had visitors from all over the world in hotels and nobody even thought about a mask or even talked about masks or, or COVID. I, I mean, uh, as professors rightly said, uh, when you travel around the world, you realize that there's a world outside of what, what we went through. And so it's time now that uh, we lift everything and uh, we get on with it. China's actually moving very, very quickly. Uh, you know, I've got a lot of, uh, well, people and businesses in China and staff, and, and uh, they're, you know, they're, they're back to normal. Was, does the mainland have a mask mandate? No, I, I, I don't believe they do. Because you're going, you said, yeah. I'm going, said. I'm going, but I, but, uh, I bring the mask for sure because I'm coming back to Hong Kong. Yes, for when you come back. <laughs> Professor, <laughs> Professor, this great surge... I think Alan has put his finger on it. it. Was a sort of psychological thing. We've been locked up for three years. I got to go. I got to go. Take me somewhere. Does that sound about right? Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, in addition to that, remember, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, students, men and students, study uh, in Hong Kong. Uh, so I actually, uh, three of my uh, students, PhD students, went back to China for holidays. So you have to account, uh, you know, these numbers. This is a huge uh, number uh, returning uh, to their home to see their parents, their family. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, visiting, uh, visiting friend, relative type of tourists during this period. So, uh, you know, uh, the Hong Kong residents, of course, will travel to Japan, Korea, or other destinations. So, yeah, you add them together, it is a huge surge. Uh, but uh, the inbound tourists were coming. We're coming to Hong Kong very soon, so Hong yeah. Kong needs to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Right, and we've got this big uh, tourism promotion uh, starting this week on Thursday, Thursday. I think. Thursday. Uh, w- 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 yeah, that's right. Yeah, what, c- what can we expect from that? 
Yeah, the tourists actually, uh, once uh, this uh, pandemic is over, the tourists will be different, completely different from the pre, uh, pre-COVID-19 level. I think the Hong Kong Tourism Board is trying to rebrand Hong Kong as international destination, uh, quality international destination. Uh, in the past, perhaps, we relied uh, very much on mass tourists, right? They come to Hong Kong in big numbers. They spend money, but not uh, actually uh, as, uh, much as we would expect. So in the uh, new area, we will say, you know, you will see more younger tourists, uh, uh, you know, they are technology savvy, they are looking for different products and services, they probably adventure to all part of Hong Kong instead of just concentrate on certain areas, uh, as in the past, uh, you know, that caused a lot of uh, congestion and, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Hong Kong need to be uh, ready to be uh, diversified, to provide quality services and product to a attract not only t- uh, tourists from China, but also uh, from other world, uh, right. part of the world, yes. On that point, Professor, I noticed at Ocean Park on last Friday, where by coincidence, before I knew what the subject was going to be today, I was there with two uh, mainlanders, my son and grandson, um, right. and uh, we watched the uh, dolphin show. The commentary, it was about 20 minutes, was 100% in Cantonese. Not a single word of English, not a single word of Pudungwa. And I'm afraid my, my son and grandson are both fluent in those two languages, didn't understand a word of what was going on with the dolphin show. Yeah, that's not good, isn't it? I think that's just uh, something that uh, the business has to work on it. Service quality and, you know, friendliness and, you know, all these uh, things that need to be improved in order to have the tourists, uh, you, know, you know, allow tourists to have a good experience there, uh, when they visit Hong Kong. If not, then, you know, that will have a negative impact. Okay. Always can uh, improvements uh, be made. Thank you very much for joining us on the programme this morning. Oh, well, actually, hi and song. Professor is going to stay with us after the news. Thanks very much uh, to Alan Zeman, chairman of the Lan Kwai Fong Group. And we're going to take a break. Uh, for the news summary. We'll be back at three minutes past. A quick look at the weather. It's going to be fine and dry today. Uh, Top temperature around 17 degrees. Uh, The outlook becoming cloudy. One or two rain patches uh, later in the week. It's 13 degrees now. Humidity is at 50%. Securities to enable the short seller to make gains. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back to Back Chat with Mike Rouse and me, Jim Gould. And this morning uh, in our main topic, we're talking about tourism, uh, both here in Hong Kong and in Macau. Uh, been a, a very uh, busy few days, uh, especially in Macau with uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, visitors over the Lunar New Year. We're joined uh, on the line now by Glenn McCartney who's Associate Professor in Integrated Resort and Tourism Management at the University of Macau. And also still with us is uh, Professor Haiyan Song, Associate Dean at the School of Hotel and Tourism Management at the Polytechnic University here in Hong Kong. Um, uh, Glenn McCartney, good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. How are you doing? Uh, very well, thank you. And, uh, and good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Um, so the, the tourism visitor figures that Macau has seen over the past few days, over the Lunar New Year, how, many, um, how encouraging is that in terms of a, you know, a revival of the economy there? I believe it's been very positive, Jim. It's been about 
I just seen that numbers this morning have been released. So it's about 450,000 visitors over the seven days, mm-hmm. so averaging around 64,000 a day. So those are very positive figures, given that the mandates were just removed, the COVID mandates were just removed sort of a matter of weeks ago. And that sort of ramp up that we had over those few weeks to get ready for Chinese year. So it's very positive in those numbers. And of course, I think about a third of those will be from Hong Kong, 165 visitors from Hong Kong. So it's, very, it's been a very good uh, seven days in Macau. Once, uh, good morning. What sort of uh, numbers do you expect to get back to, say, the next three months? I would say you're going to see uh, that steady increase continue. There's no reason why, because there's a lot of um, positive indicators towards that. For example, on the 6th of February, the, the tour groups will be will be um, also starting. So um, there's no reason why it cannot continue to increase. Of course, we're, compared to 2019, it's, it's just around about 40% of what Chinese New Year was there when we overtook about a million, point, 1.2 million visitors. So we haven't got that 2019, but I guess the industry is just ramping back up again yes. with ferry schedules and bus schedules from Hong Kong. So getting that capacity does take time, but given that we nearly were 40% of 2019, it's, it's very positive. So we could be looking at double that number, say, in the next six months? Yeah, there's no reason, again, as we move towards uh, the other holidays of Easter and summer, that we're going to see uh, very positive figures like, uh, as we look back to 2019. Right. As I said, those, uh, I've been in Macau these, these days and walking around. There's busy streets. People are shopping in that old type of village. The integrated resorts are busy. So there's, uh, there's that, that positive mood as well. Mm-hmm. The people are here doing shopping and we'll see the numbers how many stayed over and so forth but occupancies in the hotels are also around 86% on average so wow. and uh, the room rate is about 1,500 Hong Kong so again they're all good figures yeah. uh, and an indicator of what can happen in the months ahead. It's all, it's all good. Yeah. Are there any restrictions at all left in Macau? The only visible one, I mean, I was also in China for the first few days of Chinese year, traveling in the north of China, so I was over the border crossings in Zhuhai. And I was in China for the last, the last few years that we had the travel corridor with China. So there's, that's the reason why we're also seeing some that level of visitation, because we maintained that travel corridor in the last two and a half years, although the, the visitation was lower. And when I came over the border, the only the only visual that I seen compared to my other visits to China was was mask wearing. So all the other mandates have been removed. So basically, you say no apart from mask wearing in in, in public places and others. So basically, the mandates have all uh, disappeared in that respect. So that's still a mandate in Macau. Wearing of masks in certain places, yes, you you wear them. Um, but I mean, apart from that. There, there's very little other, you know, visual signs of, right. of, of the, well, for example, in mid-December. Any signs of international travel uh, other than the mainland and Hong Kong? Well, Mike, that will take some time because, um, you know, historically Macau has most visitation from mainland China and from uh, from Hong Kong. So that's, when you put the an ad on Taiwan, most of that, 90% of our visitation. Right. So it will take some for the international traffic but as you know the six gaming concessions have just got contract renewal and they have a whole lot of non-gaming commitments which also includes enlarging our uh, international visitation but that takes some time but there's also various challenges to bring in bring in that you know even regional travel but that, that's that's part of the big picture in sure. the, the medium to longer macau
because the international, a lot of the international uh, travel comes via Hong Kong, I imagine. Yeah, because of the, you know, I think of it called access and capacity. So you, you have to use the airports and so forth. So Macau does have the, the Macau International Airport. But, of course, the, the, the volume of international visitation will be in some of the airport clusters like Hong Kong, Shenzhen and Zhuhai and Guangdong airports. They all can help Macau because when I flew into Zhuhai Airport last this week, uh, the, 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 the car trip was only about 40 minutes. And that's the same with the Hong Kong airport. We can benefit from the bridge. And the bridge, of course, hasn't now reached capacity. So there's lots of potential to, to ramp up, as we say, in, the, in tourism to, to establish those links. So we, it's, it's also about getting the messaging out to, to regional international audience about Macau, its branding and its positioning. So these are the things that will happen in the, in the medium to longer term. With Hong Kong people, historically, we're a neighboring city. So pe- people in Hong Kong are heavily... Many of them are peak visitors and they have their favorite restaurant and their favorite places to go to. So for the Hong Kong, we very much know, I mean, people in Hong Kong know Macau, but actually getting the message out to more regional uh, regional um, um, audiences will take a little bit more time. Um, Professor Song, uh, Macau is obviously a, a very unique place. Uh, it's got a lot of things that uh, Hong Kong doesn't, uh, obviously. Uh, um, lots of uh, much older buildings. It's the only place in Greater China where you can visit a casino. But is there, um, do, do you think there's anything that, uh, that the Hong Kong tourism industry can learn from the way things are done in Macau? Uh, actually, uh, the Hong Kong and Macau are considered to be a, a complementary destinations, mm. which means when uh, international tourists uh, visit Hong Kong, they normally will probably pay one or two days visit to Macau as well to supplement uh, the experience they will not be able to gain uh, from Macau. I think uh, my view is that uh, the two destinations, two SAR, should be uh, align themselves uh, and uh, synchronize uh, the offering of um, uh, tourism uh, services or products. Uh, so I think, um, you know, uh, collaboration is the key. Uh, so in terms of learning something, I think uh, the two destinations to, should work together. Sure. Professor, um, on this, uh, this point of reshaping, if you like, the Macau tourism product, what do you think of those changes to the uh, concessions, uh, the, the, the casino concessions, to, to work towards that? I think this, uh, it strategically it is important uh, for Macau to uh, uh, diversify its tourism industry uh, instead of uh, relies on uh, gaming. Uh, I think developing uh, uh, heritage, uh, you know, cultural uh, tourism tourism products is very important for the long term sustainable development as an international destination. Uh, what happened if you know? Uh, uh, in the future, there's suddenly some uh, certain policy or restrictions restricting uh, Chinese tourists uh, visiting Macau uh, to, uh, you know, uh, to do gaming. Then uh, you, you're stuck. So, so it is important, strategically important for Macau to diversify it itself. Yeah. Will we ever see Macau as the uh, Las Vegas of China again? Or is that a strategic di- difference of direction now? It will probably still be a very important destination for for gaming, right? So uh, within Asia Pacific, 
uh, so not necessarily uh, everyone will travel to casino uh, to, to to Las Vegas. Uh, at least uh, Macau offer a good alternative for tourists within Asia Pacific. I think it is still very important. Uh, I don't know whether it still be uh, the same level as pre-COVID-19 level. I'm not sure, but fortunately they are developing. Uh, different uh, tourism uh, products and offerings. Mm. Um, uh, Professor McCartney, you mentioned earlier a lot of Hong Kong people have their famous favourite places uh, in Macau, favourite restaurants to visit and that kind of thing. Um, over the past three years, have most of those places been able to survive during the, during the, you know, the bad times of COVID? Sure. And, and that, 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 Jim, that, that, if you walked around the streets of Taipa, there's a few shuttered, shuttered restaurants and mm -hmm. so forth. So, unfortunately, because uh, uh, um, we, we are reliant on the tourism and hospitality industries directly and indirectly, many many sectors and SMEs in Macau, that some have not been able to uh, sort of survive the last two, three years. But for the most part, uh, there's still a lot of restaurants and bars and, and retail outlets all still open. But, and so there's, a lot, there's still a lot for the tourists to see mm -hmm. and experience. Uh, but to the point of, um, you know, I, I, uh, Professor Song was saying, yes, we, we have to, Macau is being for many a, a day tripper destination and it's how to get people to stay longer, spend more, which is obviously any, even Hong Kong tourism, you know, how, how do we make reasons for people to stay and their experiences to stay longer? And the development of non-gaming is part of that. Um, during the three years off of the mandates in Macau, the government of Macau did give incentives and various other things to, to local SMEs and the community to keep going. And that's been very helpful as we now emerge from it, right. emerge from the mandates. What about staffing? Did, did a lot of people leave the uh, entertainment sector and for other jobs or did they manage to, to keep the staff and the skill levels up? In fact, we, we did lose, I mean, um, in, in, a lot of, as you know, are, are called, uh, a lot of people from Macau are, are, are migrant laborers and they work in the industry, yes. particularly entertainment sector. So we did lose that because obviously even the entertainment shows, concerts and so forth um, closed or, or stopped because of the, just essentially because you couldn't have large group gatherings. Um, so a lot of that will take some time. Yes, so we had some shows and concerts there over Chinese year and festivals and parades. Which, uh, which is very positive, but it will take time because a lot of these skills um, will, we, we, we will rely on, um, on uh, 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 labor from overseas to come back to Macau for some of these areas to, to build back the entertainment industry again for what it was before. Mm -hmm. uh, a message here from listener TC on our Facebook says, what's happened since 2020 should be a lesson to the tourism industries in Hong Kong and Macau. The over-reliance on mainland Chinese tourists was unhealthy and unsustainable. Many in that industry wrongly thought that mainland Chinese money would come indefinitely. Um, Professor Song, if we could just uh, ask you uh, briefly, because I know we've got to bring this part of the programme to an end uh, uh, quite shortly, but um, um, how about that point? I mean, is it would it be wise to try to... Um, you know, uh, appeal to more of a sort of uh, international audience. You mentioned that Hong Kong is going to try to sort of upscale, upscale the kind of type of visitors that we hope to attract. But um, um, should we be looking to, um, you know, uh, bring more people in from from Europe, America, that sort of thing? Yeah, I think uh, it is always good to have uh, 
to have uh, tourists from different uh, parts of the world. But the reality is, uh, actually, Hong Kong is uh, very much uh, a destination for tourists within uh, Asia, and particularly from China. Uh, Pre-COVID-19, 60-70% of tourism from China. So, of course, uh, in the future, we will try to attract more international tourists from other countries. Uh, but again, uh, you cannot actually get away from, uh, you know, attracting tourists from China because it's so important. And also the industry, the you know, the employment uh, very much relies on tourism from China. So, uh, of course, you know, uh, we probably in terms of the numbers in the future percentage of tourist arrival, uh, the percentage from mainland China will reduce, but then you probably um, attract more high spenders from China and mm. provide good quality products. So that's the aim. It's not so unusual, is it, Professor, to visit interesting parts of your own country? Yeah, actually, in the future, you will see a lot of Chinese tourists uh, you know, uh, not only uh, visiting domestically, but also Hong Kong, so it's part of China. So, yeah, so this is uh, regarded uh, probably in the long run. Uh, right. I mean, domestic the, tourists, yeah. the British go to visit Windsor Castle and Buckingham Palace. It, it, it's not that unusual to visit your own country's places. Agree. And plenty to see. Okay, great. Well, thanks very much for joining us on the programme this morning. Uh, Professor Haiyan Song, Associate Dean at the School of Hotel and Tourism Management at the Polytechnic University. And thanks also very much to Glenn McCartney, Associate Professor in Integrated Resort and Tourism Management at the University of Macau. And so for the last uh, 10 minutes or so of this morning's programme, we're going to be uh, turning our attention to a different topic. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. So, illegal fireworks is our topic for the last uh, part of the programme this morning. Um, there's been a lot of it as well over the uh, Lunar New Year, um, especially if you live in a rural area. Um, we're joined on the line by Christine Fong, Saikung District Councillor. Good morning to you. Good morning, James and Mike. Good morning. Uh, uh, thanks very much for joining us. Um, so, uh, as, as mentioned, uh, this is mostly a phenomenon that you find in uh, rural areas. Um, um, have you received kind of a, a lot of complaints from residents in the Saikong area? Uh, yes, we do. Particularly, uh, we are in a lunar New Year uh, period of time and some uh, local or some residential uh, area, like rural area particularly, uh, in those uh, Saikung village or even Clearwaterway or even some island area, uh, we also uh, received uh, some uh, complaints uh, about uh, those fireworks or, fire, or even uh, firecrackers uh, um, fire, uh, burn out in, in those areas, mm. uh, at, at particularly at the midnight, uh, the, at the night time. Mm. So uh, that, that's, uh, that's uh, the situation. But uh, at the same time, uh, I also uh, understand it is a custom for for traditional, you know, Chinese people to yeah. set up firecrackers mm. uh, during, uh, you know, uh, like ceremony, like or even uh, particularly during Lunar New Year. But yeah. uh, it has been banned since 
1967. Yes. Almost 50 years now, 50 something years, uh, we haven't uh, reviewed the, the uh, process. So uh, I think still have some villagers, uh, some some villagers, they believe that this is a traditional. So so they do, uh, um, you know, uh, celebrate by those firecrackers, even though it is illegal. Right. So, yeah, we should, um, yeah. We should I just remind listeners that, uh, yeah, the, the, the fireworks are banned in 67 because they were being used uh, to make uh, homemade bombs during the disturbances. Uh, um, but that's a long time ago. Um, like you say, um, do you think it's, it's time to review the law? I mean, um, and because, I, because firecrackers and making a lot of noise yeah. is part of the local culture during the Lunar New Year. Yes, it is. Uh, I think, um, should we review it? Uh, I think, um, we, uh, should we, uh, uh, I think uh, the public engagement uh, to to listen more about those, those uh, uh, local uh, should be should start because uh, the the things had been banned since 67, 1967. Mm. But uh, according from different countries, like in mostly in Asia, in uh, Malaysia, in Macau, uh, in China, in mainland China, uh, they all burned those uh, some of the firecrackers. Uh, during Lunar New Year. And recently, you know, we have a crossway link and bridge becomes our, our new landmark of Changkwano. Mm -hmm. Some some of the residents even propose that uh, and, and the government could organize a small get small scale of uh, firework display in our district, during, particularly during the festival occasion in order to uh, satisfy the needs of uh, local community. Miss, Miss so Fong, I think, uh, yeah. uh, yes, yes. Good morning. Um, I, I, I remember discussing this subject for decades. Um, yeah. And of course, I was the assistant district officer in Ireland's district in 1980. So <laughs> my memory of this goes back a long way. I can think of two things. Leaving aside security, which is its own box of affairs, there are two issues, aren't there? One is noise. Some people welcome the noise, some people are annoyed by the noise. And there's also a question of fire risk. Um, there's pe people just letting off fireworks willy-nilly. You never know if they're going to land somewhere dry and start a fire. Is there scope, do you think, for licensing people to have small-scale firework displays in, in remote areas rather than an absolute ban? Uh that's why I, I agree to review, and I don't think should be absolutely banned. I think we can uh, uh, learn or follow the, the way from like the practice of in Macau. They afford they afford set up in a designated location right. for residents or visitor to set up fireworks or firecrackers or rockets. Uh, and also, as an engineer, particularly in fire safety management, I myself also do very care about the risk management of the uh, <coughs> firecrackers. In fact, if we also should limit the certain firecrackers, I mean the, the scale, as I, as I said, that it must be a small scale, uh, you know, to make sure that it is in a designated area and limit the time uh, period. So, you know, to avoid, uh, uh, and also must provide sufficient uh, fire service installation to avoid any 
by accident, especially in uh, those uh, Wi-Fi in those forest areas. Right. Near, too near the forest, of course, absolutely banned. But uh, or to for some uh, large uh, scale of uh, a hall or atrium, I mean outdoor atrium, should we allow? Uh, or, or as I as I said, it's a lim- uh, limited uh, designated area, then we we can uh, open the open discussion on, on this. Right. Area. So it could be the area, the location. The size of the fireworks, you don't want them sort of World War II size, you want them... <laughs> of course. <laughs> right, so yeah. the capacity. But has this subject been discussed in the, uh, in the council? Not yet, not yet. In fact, uh, frankly speaking, we understand it is a traditional custom. In fact, uh, as we, you remember, the, even the fire dragon dance in Dark House, yes. they, you know, custom, particularly uh, people nowadays... We are uh, suffering those pandemics, and this kind of uh, fireworks and uh, fire dragon dance, uh, even lion dance is also noisy. But in a way, they they have a traditional way uh, is to, uh, you know, swipe away those uh, pandemic or you know any bacterial virus. Mm. Of course, it's, it's not scientific enough, but uh, that's the traditional way that they they. They do uh, to particularly uh, some some disaster or pandemic things oh, happen. Yeah. I remember officiating at the Tai Hang one many years ago. Um, yes. So and it was very lively, very popular. The streets were were very crowded, and and the people loved it. Um, yes. And it wasn't dangerous. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I would have thought. I hope not. So I think uh, it is uh, the matter of whether how. Edu- uh, you know, the, how, we, we should educational and the publicity measure. I mean, we do well about uh, where to do, where to run. I mean, it's, of course, no one like, you know, all of a sudden you have firecrackers or fireworks next to you. And, and it is also dangerous in a way because it is a fire. I mean, it's, even a small fire will, will, will burn our forest. So uh, for a small, ga- small scale, I think it's... Uh, we, we should, you know, uh, review the, the whole thing and make it, uh, you know, organized. Will, and, uh, will, will, you, will you table uh, papers for discussion in the council to get the conversation started? <laughs> uh, I, I think we can discuss and uh, I'm not yet, frankly speaking, I'm not yet uh, put in the council paper yet. But uh, I think for, for the government, I mean... Uh, uh, we, 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 but in fact, we do have proposed in the Causeway link uh, for fireworks in a way, for like... Uh, right, the new bridge. The new bridge, yeah, because yeah. it's it, uh, have a distance and uh, and also we only propose during the, uh, during the, um, uh, you know, you know, uh, occasional. Right, Which and is, it's over uh, water as well, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's not over a country indeed. park. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's that, that's my opinion. Mm. We did, um, and in fact, yeah. it is difficult for police to enforce the, and take action because the fireworks setting off is in a, in a sh- just in a short time. Mm. So, or particularly in some remote places. So, so uh, in fact, it is illegal. Yeah. But uh, should we review and uh, let uh, the police force uh, focus on some? A certain day, which uh, or some designated area, and 
allow、uh, residents to do it properly. And in fact, to sell those、uh, fireworks, firecrackers, also by licensed、uh, stores,、uh, you know, with, with license. I think that also of the things need to be reviewed as a as a whole whole.、Uh, Contact. Sure, we did、uh, contact the uh, police uh, for this program.、Um, um, they sent us、uh, a couple of、uh, case briefs, actually, and, and、uh, pointed out that they've made uh, uh, several arrests. In the past few、mm-hmm. days, for、uh, people setting off illegal fireworks, and uh, and uh, reiterated that fireworks and firecrackers are, are dangerous goods, and uh, are very concerned about such cases,、uh, particularly when they're close to、uh, urban areas. Um, but uh, uh, just uh, quick, quickly, Christine Fong. I mean, because we're not just talking about firecrackers anymore, are we? I mean, there, there is like rockets that go up into up, up into the sky, and you don't know where they're going to fall down on, do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we have、so、fireworks every day at Disneyland, don't we?、Uh, yes, but of course, you know, that's a managed environment, and, isn't and it? Control,、uh, yeah. Which yeah. I think yeah. plays to Miss Fong's point、mm. that if it's in, if the location is right. And the timing is right, and there's everyone knows it's going to happen.、Mm. Then you reduce the annoyance, and you reduce the danger, and in fact, you you increase the pleasure.、Mm. So it's、uh, something、sure. well worth looking at yeah. again. Yeah,、um, yes, that's right. I'm sure we'll、uh, return、uh, to this topic at an appropriate time. Thank you very much for joining us、uh, on the program this morning,、uh, Christine Fong, Saikun District Councillor. And now.、Uh, That brings us uh, almost uh, to the end of back chat for this morning.、Um, just、uh, one more quick、uh, message on our Facebook、uh, relating to our main topic this morning, which was about、uh, tourism and testing requirements. And that's what, and uh, uh, Eileen writes:、uh, it's also time to stop the testing for teachers and students now, not later. <coughs> Excuse me. Thank you、um, to、uh, everybody who. Uh, wrote in, and thanks very much to this morning's co-host, Mr. Mike Rouse. Well, you remember, Jim, I was the first commissioner for tourism, so、right. I always love it. That's right.、Uh, when that's you, when that's the you, subject, you've got the background. You know what we're talking about. Thanks,、uh, thanks, Mike.、Um, see you next week.、Uh, quick look at the weather: fine and dry today.、Um, top temperature around 17 degrees. Moderate east to northeasterly winds. The outlook becoming cloudy with one or two rain patches and rising temperatures in the next couple of days.、Uh, more rain in the latter part of this week. Currently, the red fire.